Welcome back to the Grief Observed Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Morrell. And if you want to be on the podcast to tell your story of grief, please contact me at griefobservedpodcast at gmail.com or go to my Facebook page, facebook.com slash griefobservedpodcast, and I'll have the email in the show description. Uh, my guest today is Jenny Keen. Uh, she is an artist from Asheville, North Carolina. Um, if, if you're looking for a reason to smile today or looking to be inspired, you need to check out her paintings and I'll have all of her info in the show description. Um, I'll have her webpage, Instagram, and Facebook. And, uh, she does have a booth at Marquee in Asheville, North Carolina as well. So I will, uh, stop talking and bring Jenny on. Jenny, thanks for joining me. I appreciate you being here. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate being here too. Yeah, I I was uh, just looking on Facebook, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago and saw your your artwork and I immediately thought there there's some massive inspiration for some of these paintings and I wanted to know, you know, where did it come from? And then of course we had a very brief grief conversation as well, but uh Anyway, tell me a little bit about you first. Tell the listeners uh, anything you want us to know. Well, um, I'm, I'm an artist. I'm from Asheville, North Carolina, as you said. I, I grew up here, and then I, uh, I went on a very long hiatus away. I went to art school in New York City, and then I went and lived in the UK for 10 years. I had um, three children there. My husband's British, and then we, we all moved back to the mountains of Western North Carolina, and um, I have four kids now, and... Um, and I'm I'm a professional artist. So um, I've, I've been an artist my whole life. You know, I've, I've never there's never been a point where I wasn't an artist. Um, but uh, when you're growing up, there's all these sort of um, starving artist myths. And um, I never I didn't really know if I could manage to do it myself, you know, and um, I, I have a message for all of the people who want to be professional artists and that it's totally possible. And it's actually it's actually a lot easier than people make out. Like it's, it's really, you know, your, your dreams really are easier than you think. Um, and, and that's been the most wonderful discovery. Um, but you, uh, you asked about my, um, you asked about what the kind of the background, how, where my work comes from. And, and I felt like, you know, I don't know if you just intuitively felt it, but I feel like I, this is a wonderful podcast for me to be on because, um, I came to this point to be able to make these kind of paintings that are all about peace and um, kind of inner peace and um, feeling really centered and calm within yourself. I came, I came to, you know, create these um, skyscapes and oceanscapes and and that kind of thing because I had such a difficult past. <laughs> and mm. so, um, I had to. I, I had to kind of grow through that and heal and go through a whole load of different styles of artwork before I came to the point where I was healed enough to be able to create this work. And so that's been very special for me because now I create very positive, peaceful, calming work. And, um, you know, for a lot of my life, I was making pretty, um, you know, artwork with a lot of angst in it, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of sort of uh, frustration and sadness and um, angry even. And um, and more recently I was making, um, I was doing these really interesting 
they're, they were called resin quilts actually i've only been i've only been painting for about a year and a half which is really crazy i know that no that's way funny. yeah yeah <laughs> i know wow. it's thing wow. till when you look at my stuff but um but i was honing all the skills that you use in painting in other media and um and i had painted a lot when i was a teenager i just i gave it up partway through art school because i i felt like i could do what i was trying to do a lot faster at the time with photography and sculpture and so i was a photographer and a mixed media uh sculptor and um, i did a lot of realistic drawings as well for like 20 years um and i i got to the point where i was making these resin quilts and they were they involved lots of found objects and lots of nostalgia and i was casting them in these um acrylic or like acrylic sort of squares and then sewing them together and putting them in shadow box frames and what it was really about was memory it was about sifting through the past and trying to understand it and trying to process it and um so i made a bunch of those pieces and then um I, I kind of got to the end of those. And then I found myself drawing a bunch of hibernating animals and they were curled up in balls and they were very realistic, um, really lovely drawings, actually. They were a pleasure to do and they're they're wonderful to look at. Um, but the reason I, I did them was because they were, I felt like because animals go away and have a period of hibernation, it's almost like the natural world telling you that it is absolutely natural and right to hide away and heal, you know? Mm. Um, and so that was very powerful for me because I felt like I really needed permission to do that. You know, I was a mother of four young kids. And, um, you know, for me, in terms of my self-care, hiding from my family so that I could make my artwork and look after myself was a really important like move and shift in my own self-care. And so those, those hibernating animals honestly really helped me to do that because art is such a meditative process. And if you can imagine like, you know, a lot of people meditate on kind of a mantra or something. Well, mm -hmm. drawing, drawing a, a, a really nice image of a, a particular subject is a little bit like meditating on that subject. And so I felt like I was meditating on the kind of natural, natural process of hiding away and healing. And that was really, really a big deal for me. And so um, I made a whole series of these animal drawings. And you know, when they, you know, when something just sort of flows out of you and it just feels really natural and it almost feels like it's so easy and you just kind of keep going. That's the way those animals felt like to me. And then, um, and then this really funny thing happened. Um, we, we live in a log cabin with a, a huge room in the middle of it, um, with like a, a, tim a frame kind of, a, a timber frame ceiling, a big open room. And so when you have, you have, um, big interior walls, you know, that are on the sides of the room with kind of like triangular tops. And, um, we, our children had finally gotten old enough to where we felt like we could tackle the task of painting those walls. Mm. And, um, you know, they were these wood paneling and it was very dark in this huge room. And um, my husband and I have been dreaming of painting them white for years. And uh, we finally figured our kids were old enough to not step in all the paint trays and, you know, and everything, <laughs> and, uh, and to responsibly stay out of the way, right. <laughs> you know, not try to climb the ladders and stuff. And, um, and so we painted these rooms and, or we painted these walls. And once we painted them, it was like they were talking to me, you know, it's like, mm. what are you going to do? There's a big, beautiful canvas here. What are you going to do? What are you going to put up here? You know? And um, 
my husband is actually a, he makes, he makes, um, he's, he's sort of an artist as well. He makes military dioramas and, um, models like model airplanes to, mm. to the level of art. Like it's museum quality stuff that he does. He's got a big following himself too. And, um, I, uh, I looked up there and I suddenly, you know, it's interesting. It's interesting that you often have ideas for growth for other people more naturally than you have for yourself. Because I am, um, I said to him, Mike, this could be your canvas. You could put your airplanes up there. And he immediately turns to me and he says, will you paint me a sky mural? Mm. And I thought, you gotta be kidding me. I haven't painted in 20 years. I'm making these little perfect realistic drawings. But I thought, well, you know, screw it. Why not? Yeah, I'll paint you a sky mural. So this was right when my kid, my last child went to kindergarten. So literally the last week, the week that my last child went to kindergarten, I got up on a 12 foot ladder and I started painting a 30 foot sky mural. And that mural completely opened up my entire world. And mm. it was like, it was like, I was, it was like, I was done healing for now. You know, I was like, I was ready to, I, I just knew I didn't ever want to play small again. I wow. wanted to, I wanted to be free. I wanted to feel a sense of endless opportunity and expansion. And that is what skies symbolize for me. So I've been painting skies ever since. That was about a year and a half ago. Wow. So, yeah, that's yeah. that's a pretty amazing story. And and I I really get the sense of freedom as you speak about it. That, you know, there was this time in life where um things weren't so free. And, and, you know, I read uh, something maybe on one of your, your uh, websites or Facebook page or something where you talked about peace and relief. And uh, I'm like, wow, you know that I feel that when you speak of it Um, and art obviously has a a great uh, therapeutic value to people who go down that path. What would you tell somebody who has, um, and I'll, I'll just quote, say, no artistic ability? What would you tell them? Grab a paintbrush anyway? <laughs> just tell them that they're way more creative than they know. Everybody has a seed of creativity inside them. And it's, it's kind of like a garden. It's already in the soil. And mm. it's your choice whether or not you want to water it. You know, yeah. like, you know, like there's... There's something in there for everybody. And, and the main thing is also that you are you are more creative in life, in your daily life, than you probably ever give yourself credit for. Problem solving is really creative. And everybody has to do that every day of their lives. And most work things that people have to do at work, they're inventing new systems. They're finding ways around problems. They're coming up with ideas to make their work life or their home life better. That's a creative process. You're already the creator of your life. Mm. So, you know, all we're talking about is whether or not you have hand-eye coordination and visual ability to create visual art, right? Mm. Already a creator. You you don't need to worry about that part. It's more like it's more like you just I think it's more about um being willing to um kind of be brave enough to sort of suck at something for a while yeah yeah <laughs> I mean, like being brave enough to just try something whether or not you're good at it and just to keep going you know like adults adults in western society have this totally bogus belief which i think is probably one of the biggest beliefs of our culture which is that p- adults are supposed to be able to do things well mm. you know 
that's a that's a massive limiting belief because actually no adults are what really adults are supposed to know is understand that the growth process is long and full of lots of different stages and that when you start you're supposed to be bad at it <laughs> you know like you are supposed to be bad at it because that shows that you're growing and you're trying something new that you've never done before and it's outside of your skill set you're making yourself you know that little bit uncomfortable you know like mm. that that discomfort is like gold dust like it is that is what you want in life that helps you live you know i mean you don't it's sort of a balance too. like you stick your neck out. You don't want to stick your neck out so far to where the failure hurts too much. You know what I mean? Like you want to sort of gently get into things, you know, but if you're feeling a little bit awkward or a little bit uncomfortable about that's good, that's a good sign. That means that you're growing. And that means that you have like more to learn and more to gain from the experience. So, you know, the, uh, the ultimate is to be like a child, which a children, they just try something. And if it goes wrong, they laugh, you know, mm. and then they just try it again and they enjoy it. And they try it again and they enjoy it and they try it again and they enjoy it. And they keep doing it, enjoying it, doing it, enjoying it. And then magically they get better at it without even really working that hard, you know, because they're focused so much on the enjoyment of the experience. And I think if adults in our culture can really attach to that, just really get into the enjoyment of the experience. There is nothing that can stop you, you know, yeah. that completely solves all the attitude problems. <laughs> Jenny, I think you should be either a therapist or a motivational speaker. If you ever decide to hang up your uh, paintbrush. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, as you're talking, I'm sitting here thinking like, wow, you know, whenever we're in grief, it, we're kind of forced into that, area of life. Like it's nothing that anyone would choose that, okay, I'm here, I'm without this loved one. And it is kind of that blank canvas of, you know, the future that we envisioned is it's been heavily altered at that point. Um, but I believe that there's a lot of danger by sitting and just letting life pass us by. And like you stated, there's, um, a lot of opportunity there to see what life ahead looks like. I know it's not the life that people imagined. It may not be the life that someone wanted, but um, I I think there is a lot of opportunity when we become an active part in our healing, our own self-care. And and I could see art being a very, very uh, fruitful thing for people to start doing in a time of grief. And I would imagine if, if someone started doing something in art at say the moment they lost someone and just watch how that art actually progresses in time. You know, does it, uh, do they start seeing happier themes in their artwork or uh, do they see more light and less darkness in their artwork? You know, it's uh, I, I think it's a lot of open doors and, and a lot of things that could be helpful for uh, someone that's, you know, just starting out, you know, that in this, this grief journey. Yes. I I think it's what you're talking about is such a wonderful idea because the other thing about art is that it, it, um, like the process of making art, it, it kind of brings you into the present moment in a way that, you know, like any sort of wonderful 
creative practices do this and it's so magical you know it brings you right into the present moment it helps you kind of be within within your body be kind of grounded within your body and um it also helps you stop thinking <laughs> mm. you know and that is a relief right there you know because when you're in grief there are really um really heavy thoughts that are reoccurring mm -hmm. all the time and sometimes it's just nice to have a break from them you know yeah i liked your idea of the hibernation and i think maybe there is a time to hibernate at, during grief like there, there's a time to check out and just say okay i don't need to see or talk to anybody right now and and then it's kind of like you i, I guess emerge something new after that hibernation you know and yeah. um I really like a lot of the titles of some of your artwork, um, anchored in peace, follow the light. And so we begin the light within us. And all of those titles to me, um, have a ring of hope and a future. Whereas, you know, uh, your artwork may have been entitled something completely different years ago. What? Yes. So tell me about like, where do you get the ideas of your titles? Oh, well, that's um the titles. Um, it's interesting because the titles usually don't come together in my mind until the very end of the piece. Mm. You know, usually while I'm painting it, I might not even know what it's about. Um, exactly. But that's all. It's like, um, it's like a flavor in a soup that has to simmer for a while before it kind of comes together and gels together, you know, it's, mm. and eventually it'll kind of come together in my mind. And then I'll know, I'll know and it happens near the end of every painting. Usually um, I'll know what it's about. And then I'll be sort of trying to find the phrases that, that speak, say that most eloquently, you know? So um, a lot of times it'll either have to do with, a, a place where either I am in life or a place where, for instance, if I'm doing a commission for a collector, it'll have to do with where they are in life because mm. a commission is effectively a gift. You know, it's like a gift of time and, and attention and care and expertise. And so to me to make the title um, have to do with, you know, the, where the other person is in life is really quite special. And so that's, that's where, that's how and so we begin came you know came about because the family that commissioned the painting they are um they have four children just like i do and but their their kids are a bit older you know and so they're in that they're in that next phase of life where their their children are starting to leave home and starting to go off to college mm. and they're really transitioning, you know, to a whole new way of being, you know. And so that's why and the, the the light on the water in that painting just reminded me of a like an open stage, you know, a whole new stage of life. And, um, you know, it becomes a question like, well, what are you going to do with that? You know, what are you going to do with that stage? And the clouds are like ideas or, you know, actor, it could be actors on the stage or kind of ideas forming. And it's very, it's very playful. It's like, oh, wow, you know, there's lots of things that could happen here. And I, I love that to me, like, if you can approach a new life stage with that kind of positivity and playfulness and also like, you know, kind of grounded, you know, sort of centered place to where you kind of know whatever is, you know, whatever happens is going to be fine. Then, you know, that's just the most healthy thing. And so I felt like, 
you know, titling it that and um, creating this for them that they can put in the main room of their house is a bit like a, you know, my hope for them and their family and how they're going to be doing in these next, you know, five or 10 years of their life. Wow. Yeah, Yeah, that's, that's awesome. It's almost like your, your blessing over that family, like, Hey, go live your best life. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, It's just, it's just like a push in the right direction, you know? (laughs) Yeah. 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 I want to circle back to your art here in a few minutes, but I at least would like to hear maybe some of your grief stories and uh, just anything you want to talk about. Um, I know we talked a little bit before, before I hit record, uh, you know, about uh, different people and uh, even an animal that was meaningful. Uh, it, It was a meaningful loss to you. So you, you just go anywhere you want to go with that, Jenny. Okay. Well, um, I've had enough grief and enough personal loss in my life to where I consider it to be a pretty normal part of life, you know, um, uh, from a young age, you know, I had various pets that died and that sort of thing, including my, um, my horse when I was 16 years old, which my, my world was kind of wrapped around that horse more or less. So that was, um, that was a very big deal at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just sort of fell over dead one day, like it was a total shock. Um, wow. so yeah, it was really surprising. And I ended up making artwork about it too. Um, so, uh, but then, then the, I think the more, the more impactful kind of, uh, grief that I've had is that, um, all, for one thing, all, all four of my grandparents have died and two of them I was very close to. I made a, mu- a bunch of artwork about them as well, actually. Um, and then, uh, then after that, I, I also had three miscarriages. And mm-hmm. so that um, was a really huge experience of grief for me. Um, I and- think that's very well, like, uh, like very much misunderstood too, that uh, a lot of times if, if there's not um, something tangible, something that we see, a lot of people don't know how to comfort someone in those situations. And, you know, I often say that one out of four women will go through a miscarriage. That's oh, mind blowing to me. Yeah. 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 It's really a lot, <laughs> like yeah. a lot, you know, and, and many people, many women have had multiple miscarriages, you know, and it's, um, it's, uh, oh, it's so sad. And I, the interesting thing was that during that miscarriage experience, I remember that like, uh, it was my second miscarriage that, um, I really felt like I started to kind of have a, uh, I started to have techniques for how I handle grief. <laughs> you know, I guess I had enough grief by then to where I started uh, learning the best way for me to handle mm-hmm. it. And um, I, I, the best way for me is really just to make time to fall apart, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, and just, just allow myself to completely fall apart, you know? And, um, and if I can make safe space and safe time to do that, I find that not only do I fall apart, but I also come back together. You know what I mean? Like, I think sometimes people are really frightened that if they allow themselves to fall apart, that they won't come back together, you know? And that's, that's absolutely not, not the case in my experience. My experience is that you, you come back together a lot better if you take the time to fall apart. Yeah. As an, as an artist, you, you may appreciate, I always speak about Kintsugi or Kintsukuroi, the Japanese broken pottery that's gold filled, you know, and it's, um, there's beauty in the brokenness, you know, and, and I think if we take the moments to highlight that, um, it's, 
you know, as opposed to trying to cover up the brokenness and the hurts and the, the bumps and bruises of life, it's, and, and, you know, when I see your artwork, that's kind of what I see. And, you know, whether it's from a place of grief or, or not, or whatever the inspiration was, that's what it means to me when I look at it, like this sense of hope. And there is beauty in that brokenness, you know? Yeah. Um, so well, you wouldn't have that pain if you didn't love that person so much, you know what I mean? Like that's, it's all comes from love, doesn't it? You know? And so, you know, when you're allowing yourself to fall apart and, and let those feelings of loss just sort of take over you for a while, like, you are also, it's a way of expressing love for that person as well. You know, it's the other side of it. It's just the other, you know, there's two sides to every coin and this is the other side of it. Yeah. And so I, I just think it completes the cycle, you know, and when you, when you complete the cycle, then you can, you can stand back up, you can walk on and you can get on with your life and get on with your day, you know, or whatever. And you know, the whole thing about grief coming in waves, that's absolutely true. And so if you can find ways to, you know, make time to fall apart when you're having a wave, then you, you go through the cycle of it more effectively. And, and honestly, really my experience is that you can heal very rapidly that way. Mm. If you were willing to, to go there, you know what I mean? If you're just willing to allow yourself to totally fall apart and have faith in yourself that you are absolutely strong enough to handle it and that you are totally you know have the ability to rise from the ashes as it were you know like you are and you will you know it's uh, to me it's like um my my and this is a metaphor i came up with actually when i was um in that in the midst of that second miscarriage to me it's like um a, a shell you know like a scallop shell it has two halves and you got to open it all the way. And that's like, it's like your heart. You got to let your heart break wide open mm. to get all of the gunk out that's gotten in there. And then once you've gotten it out, once the water has washed it all away, then you can close right up. Good as new. And you'll be ready. You'll be ready to go on with your life. You know, it's like, but you got to let your heart break open as wide open as it can. And it's yeah. not like your heart's not going to stay open. It's 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 got a hinge, <laughs> you know what right. I mean? Like it's got a really good hinge, so it's going to come right back together, and and then you'll feel better. You won't have that sand or whatever it is that was stuck inside the shell that was causing you so much trouble. And so that's that's how I would coach myself as I got through it. I said I would I would just say, look, you just got to let it break wide open, as wide open as you can as you can manage, you know. And then yeah. um, and I found I healed a lot faster actually. <laughs> I think there's a, a big fear of a lot of people to, it's like, okay, this hurts so bad already. If I hurt worse then I don't know, it, it's going to, I don't want to hurt worse. Maybe that's their, their yeah. thought process, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. but, but I understand that. Yeah. Sometimes we have to fall just completely apart before we start that rebuilding process. And, yeah. uh, I often well, use, um, something from one of my favorite TV shows lost. And, uh, you know, there's a part where one of the characters was helping another one get off of drugs and they come, they come upon this, uh, cocoon and he's like, you know, I can open up this cocoon, but this moth will be too weak to survive. It's in the struggle that it, it builds its strength. And I feel like there's so much about life. That's like that, that we just, we have to struggle 
but when we emerge, we're going to emerge something new, something stronger, and something yes. that's prepared for maybe even more difficult events in life later down the road. Well, and also to sing brighter and louder and clearer than you've ever sung before, you know, like, you know, the emotional resonance that you were able to hold within yourself after you've had these experiences and you've lived through them is much greater. You know, I really think that I'm a better artist because I have been through all of these experiences and I've allowed myself to completely fall apart. So I'm able to hold that level of emotional intensity for lack, lack of a better word or, but resonance is really the best word. I can, I can hold that level of resonance within myself and allow it to pass through, you know, it's like I'm a stronger instrument. Yeah. And, and I think everyone is, and you know, if you go back to the idea of everyone is a creator in some form, you know, then, you know, if you are able to handle, handle challenges that are bigger then you are also able to create solutions for yourself and humankind that are bigger, that are more of a gift to other people. Mm. So this is like, you know, you have to put, you have to put um, ceramics into a kiln and fire them at a very high temperature before they're strong enough to use. Yeah. And I think that's the same kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm curious, like when you are painting, what do you think about? Well, I try not to think that much. <laughs> okay. Just about the ne next brush stroke, right? Well, I just try to be really aware, you know? And so I'm just sort of, I'm just sort of uh, um, trying to switch my conscious mind off and let my unconscious mind uh, take charge, you know? Okay. So that's what I mean by not thinking very much. But sometimes it helps to actually listen to some sort of um other thing that keeps my conscious mind busy so it doesn't get in the way does that make sense it's like yes yes yeah and so um so if, if i'm painting clouds for instance i find that the clouds are so varied and different and all their different changeable shapes and densities and stuff that it's um I, I don't listen to podcasts while I'm painting clouds because there's there's too much to do. You know what I mean? There's too much to think about. But yeah. when I'm painting water, it's very repetitive, all those ripples of water, you know. Um, and so I absolutely listen to podcasts because that way it keeps my mind busy so that I don't I don't um, I don't get restless and start getting in the way of my unconscious mind. And the unconscious mind is really the thing that's kind of creating the beautiful mm. stuff you know it's that's your intuition and you feeling feeling the next thing that needs to be done that that's all that's all comes from the unconscious mind and so sometimes i need sometimes i need a podcast to keep me busy but i am um, i use um like things about i do a lot of like um podcasts that are about uh you know personal development and growth and and stuff like that like i love susie moore's podcast she's so positive and so inspirational in terms of how of building your confidence and she gets such a, such interesting people that she interviews and that kind of thing and so i find that that kind of podcast keeps me feeling very positive and keeps mm. me feeling like like i'm i'm a you know like there's so much potential and there's so much opportunity to do new things and and that's just wonderful because that's that's keeping my conscious mind busy, but it's also keeping my mood elevated and high. And and, and that just works so well for painting water. For so sure. you're not listening to a crime podcast. No, 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 no. no, no I'm just no. kidding. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I have, can see I, how I've done that in the past. 
fast and it doesn't work. Yeah, <laughs> I can see, you know, by by what we're taking in and, uh, you know, it's we're also, I guess, uh, creating almost a mirror image of, of those things that we are taking into ourselves. So, um, yeah, I, I can see where the, the positive podcast certainly would would be helpful in, in the work that you're doing. It's uh, um, absolutely gorgeous. And again, you know, I'll just encourage listeners to to go find your stuff i um I'll, I'll give you this video so if you want to you know do anything you want to with it of of our conversation and people could see in the background obviously but uh but uh, you know listeners it's um it's really hard to even imagine what i'm looking at behind you it's it's just such a gorgeous thing and um wow I, i'm really impressed with your artwork really Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Here, I, I want to have a go at describing it for people so that Please. they can imagine it. So um, I paint a lot of I paint a lot of skies and um, clouds and horizons and um, a lot of water. I do sometimes do mountains as well. The, the painting that I'm working on right now is going to have some mountains at the bottom of it. But um, to me, because uh, I live in the mountains, I always need to get up to high elevation to get the images that I'm really interested in because it's all about that sense of infinity for me. Mm. You know, I really want that that sense of endless opportunity and openness. That's why I'm so interested in horizon lines. And so when you when you look at my paintings, it's very much about um, the lightness of the clouds and the intricacy of the detail there and all the light coming through the clouds and how it falls on the water and reflects on the water and and just the sense of um the sense of movement in the water from all the ripples and the sense of sort of playfulness of the clouds and the air and the, the just the lightness of the clouds and so um people look at him and they and they um they think of heaven you know mm -hmm. or they think, they think of god and um i think it's amazing that you know, because I think clouds help help you think about whatever is your personal version of a kind of higher spirituality, you know, because they're they are so sort of spiritual in nature. And I think it's it's wonderful that there's something that I can paint that can speak to anybody of any faith, you know, and that's what you know, that that's kind of um, something special to me about it. So it's the idea of them is that they are supposed to be like a their connection to um uh, you know, a, a sort of infinite sense of peace and relief that we can all tap into if we can meditate or pray or become really centered within ourselves, however you do it, you know, like some people, you know, I've had periods of my life where it was really hard for me to switch off my hand, my mind. And so the only way I could get into it was through really intense exercise. Mm, <laughs> you know? yeah. So, but then I would get into his own and eventually I get to a point where I wasn't thinking anymore. And it was such a relief, you know? And um, so for me, ironically, intense exercise and meditation are really similar. <laughs> you know? um, so it's, that's what, that's what they're about. They're just really, really peaceful. And I, I want people to know also who are going through grief that it is, um, it really is possible to get to a piece of peace and relief. You, you can, you absolutely will come out the other side. It's going to be okay. Mm. You know, and that's what these, these landscapes are here to help remind you of that, that, that it is, it is possible. And just like nature, all that peace and relief is right there ready for you. As soon as you're able to let it in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, 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 the, 
thing I really wanted to say on this on this podcast. Really. Yeah, yeah, and I, you know that's one thing I, I hope that this podcast. I know a lot of times we're we're talking about you know uh, death and loss and uh, but I, I don't want people to um, overlook the hope and the future and you know positive things and and that's why I absolutely when I saw your stuff I'm like I've got to get her on the podcast like I, I want to offer people hope. I don't want it to all be dark and dreary. And, and, uh, you know, it is about new beginnings. It may not be the, the beginning that people chose for their, for their life, certainly, but, uh, but it is, it is a new beginning. And, and I love the fact, like you said, a lot of your, your paintings are endless and it's like, so are your opportunities, you know, it's, you the world is a blank canvas if we would just get outside and make it ours, you know, and, and capture that. So, and it's, uh, that's what you're doing. I think through your art is just truly capturing that blank canvas. So I don't know. It's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, you know I've realized that I was talking about my grief experiences and I didn't even tell you the most important one, which is that um a couple of years ago, my stepmother died. And mm -hmm. she was very important to me. There were periods in my teenage life when I was even closer to her than I was to my biological mother. And mm -hmm. now I'm very close to my biological mother. But, it, you know, at the time, my stepmother was a really important person for me. And so um, she died a few years ago. Um, she was very sick, but we uh, we didn't expect her to die that day. And uh, so it was a bit of a surprise. And um, and then uh, it was it was a really crazy time because um she died. And then two days later, my husband had a motorcycle accident. And, um, you know, someone literally came to my door. My daughter had to get me out of the shower. And they told me that he'd had a motor. The total stranger came and told me that he'd had a motorcycle accident and I needed to go to the hospital. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And luckily, they told me that he was sitting up and talking when they left him. Because you can imagine what I was thinking if I lost my, if I lost my my stepmother and my husband in the same weekend, you know. But um, but it, that was not the case. He's fine. He's okay. But yeah. um, he did break his collarbone, and um, and we had at the time, I'm trying to remember how old my kids were. I think that I had, I had a six maybe i think i had a newborn no did i have a newborn am i i think i had a year old child a three-year-old child a four-year-old child and a five and a half year old no like maybe a six-year-old boy oh no he hadn't quite turned six yet i remember so my kids were really young really mm. really young and so um so when my husband hurt him injured himself all of the physical looking after everything came down to me. And so, and we have two acres of land that need a lot of maintenance too. So I had four very young kids, two acres and, um, and my own, my own grief and my husband to nurse, you know, um, he was, he was in a bit of a bad way for the first, first month in particular. But, um, and then also we had, um, my step, my, my in-laws came to visit, like, right then <laughs> like within mm. a few days they came from the uk and they were there for a good two weeks and then my my uh mother-in-law got injured uh during it too so i had two two uh handicapped injured people 
<laughs> and four little kids wow. and a father-in-law and my grief. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's like and life. So, what else are you going to hand hand to me yeah, here? Wow. I know, right? Yeah, that was the most stressful summer of my life for sure. Um, it was really, really, really intense. And so that's when falling apart, going and falling apart for an hour, like, you know, calling up my calling up my mother, you know, calling up a friend and saying, or or telling my husband, look, you're well, you're well enough to handle them. I got to go fall apart for an hour. You know, mm. I would go down in the woods and we had a bench down there and I would, I would lay down on the bench and I would fall apart, you know, and about an hour later I would come back and I would get back to work, you know? And, wow. um, and so that's, that's how I got through that was by, planning time to fall apart <laughs> you yeah know? you know because you can feel when it's building up and you really got to do it so you can say hey i need you in an hour you know or um i need you right now or i need you i need you at some point today when can you come you know what i mean because mm -hmm. i had to hand off responsibility of the kids to somebody else so i could fall apart and um it was really important for me to honor my own needs or else i couldn't have gone through that whole experience i think yeah. Had you not been an artist, how do you think you would have dealt with your grief? Um, well, probably through exercise as much as anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, I think exercise, I think exercise and falling apart, you know, like yeah. I also, I'm pretty good about journaling, but I think my feelings were too intense to journal about even. I just went straight to falling apart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm a big fan of journaling. I, I really yeah. encourage all of my clients. And it's it's almost just like a a record keeping of what do I feel at this moment in life. And when we go back to it, you know, it's uh if we're having a better time in life, it's really great to look back and say, Wow, oh yeah, life is so much better now. But if you look back and it's like, oh, life was so good then. I think it does give us a thought that, okay, if it was good, then it's not so great now. Maybe I can get back to a point that feels similar. You know, I don't, I don't think we can go back in time and relive those moments, but you know, it does give people hope. So I, I love journaling. It's, it's a yeah. great thing. It is so good. And it, it, it validates you as much as anything, you know, mm -hmm. when you write it down in front of you and you see it in front of you, to me, that always makes me think, yeah, this is real. I'm not making this up. You know, yeah, it's different when it, when it's in your head for sure, you know, and, and when yeah. you do get it down and see it in black and white, especially when you go back and it's like, wow, I actually wrote this. This is my handwriting. <laughs> you know, it, it does yeah. make it real. So. Yeah, hmm. exactly. Well, awesome. Jenny, tell me anything else that, that you think we're missing or that we've skipped over or anything that you want to uh, throw out there about your artwork or anything else that that's on your heart. I'm just, I, I'm in, I'm just in a place where I'm enormously grateful at this time. Um, feel really, really thankful that I, I, I get to make this artwork as my job, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, I feel really thankful that it, I love, I actually really love making something that is, or painting from observation for a couple of reasons. One is, one is that for me, it's just very meditative to be looking at something and, you know, effectively copying it or, or trying to get my thing as close to 
you know, as close to this, uh, you know, photograph or whatever as possible. For me, that's an extremely meditative process. But I think it's really magical that people have already have experiences with skies and they already have experiences with the ocean and with vistas and stuff like that. And I, f I just feel really thankful for that, for that right there, because then I can, I can paint these kinds of things. And immediately we're in a conversation, you know, me and the viewer are in a conversation about this thing that we both find special. Mm. And so I, I think it's amazing that I can, I can make something that can tap right into that enormous special feeling in other people. Uh, I just feel really thankful for that. You know, like I have all these conversations with people online at the moment about how important skies are to them or how much they love clouds. And so I'm always asking them like, well, why, why do you love them? What do you like about them? What is it? You know? And, and so then they start to think about it and they start to answer me. And it's just, it's amazing. It's amazing that we can have this kind of shared, shared enjoyment of a, of a particular thing. And so I feel, I feel really thankful for all that connection right now, you know? Yeah, as as you're speaking about that, I'm getting this visualization. Have you seen the movie Up? Please tell me you've seen the the movie. Oh Up. yeah, yeah, okay. that's a great movie, isn't it? It is. It is. Like I remember being in the theater. I think my daughter was probably about eight or nine at that point. I was in Memphis visiting my older sister, and uh, of course, my daughter's like 21, going on 22 at this point. So Up's a little bit older, but we were in the theater, and I, I looked over at my sister, and I'm like. I know this is like a Pixar movie, but should I be about ready to cry? This is killing me, you know? And uh, it was just that little montage of, um, you know, how, how uh, Ellie and Carl, I think were their names, like where they grew up. And then of course, um, Ellie ends up passing away um, in that little five minute clip. And it's like, oh my gosh, this is heart crushing. But the part that's coming to mind now is when they're laying there and they're just looking up at the sky and, and looking at clouds and the clouds turn into little babies. And, you know, it's, it's like they have a, an idea in their own mind of what those clouds represent. And I think that's one of the coolest things about clouds. Um, one of my friends posted something the other day, it was a picture of clouds and she said, is it me or does anyone else see pictures in clouds? And I think she was just generalizing. And I'm like, I see the Grinch in this cloud. And she's like, I see that, you know? <laughs> and so I don't know. I, I think clouds are just so, um, I don't know. It, it just kind of opens up the mind of possibilities, you know, that, you know, what I see and what's real to me, you may not be able to see it, but what you see may be completely real to you and uh and only to you so i don't know I, I love clouds i love uh the ocean for for many reasons um which leads me to another question and forgive me my adhd must be kicking in but <laughs> i know we're all over the place right now but when you paint the ocean like the one behind you yeah how many brush strokes and and how long does it take you just to paint that very flat horizon ocean there oh and that's it's really quite a while you know it's really a lot of paint strokes i mean um i don't ever work more on a painting in a single day than about five hours that's about the most i can handle um, only five hours she yeah. says yeah only about five hours that's but i i usually work less than that i usually work maybe three hours or you know even two or one depending on how much time i have that day and um i'd say it takes 
I mean, it's easily a whole week of work, you know, mm. to on, on the ocean. And that's not five hours every day, but I don't know how many it would be. It would be like, uh, you know, 12 hours usually, probably wow. just on that ocean, you know, like e easily because yeah. there's so many layers to it. And there's so many like, um, you know, it's, it's not just one color. It's a bunch of different colors layered on top of one another to get that sense of depth in the water and also in that sense of distance like you you've got to be gradually painting the light on bit by bit to get it built up to where it it really um you know feels like it has a foreground and a middle ground and a background and the light is is bouncing off of it accurately and and so they it, it takes a long time it's a lot of strokes <laughs> yeah. yeah so i want to bring out a concept that i heard you talking about in one of your videos and you said that you don't use a lot of paint so my thought is you know and especially in grief sometimes less is more what are your yes. thoughts like whenever you're looking at you know and, and you're painting you know you're talking about okay i don't use a lot of paint i don't yeah. know that's... yeah yeah it's interesting how those two go together actually yeah so what I do is I put on like a base layer like a background layer of color and then um and then I, I start doing a lot of thin layers of color over top of that and so having lots and lots of thin layers of color um builds up the clouds or the water to where they have both a sense of depth and especially for the clouds a sense of lightness you know so it's not it's not all painted with one big kind of like brush full of white I, I have painted clouds in the past that way, but, um, and it, it's, it's totally reasonable way of doing it. But, um, at the moment I'm really aiming for this kind of incredible lightness and ethereal lightness of the clouds. And so with that, I'm, I'm building that up gradually through very thin layers of paint and they all have to dry in between. So I use a hairdryer a lot. And, um, and that's why I paint with acrylic paint and not oil paint, because if I painted this with oil paint, it would take over a year to do each of these paintings. And wow. I am not that patient. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Um, yeah, I was going to ask, you know, what what is it? So acrylic. Okay, that, that's uh, that is phenomenal. Yeah. It really, yeah. yeah, yeah. I just uh, I I think you know a lot of times we we need to buy into the less is more, you know, in in the things that we do, and even down to a painting because uh, those paintings, in in my mind, there there's a lot to them. But to know that you're using, you know, less, but creating more out of it, that's, it, I don't know, yeah. it speaks volumes. Well, it's a bit like habit forming as well. Anytime you start a good habit, it's it's really wonderful just to start small. <laughs> Absolutely. Know? Absolutely. You know? I've, I've always told people that come into my practice, like, if you want to quit drinking, quit smoking, quit cussing all in one. I'm in one day. I'm like, all right, let's pick one. Let's start with one of those things, you know? Um, cause I think if people try to take on too much, the fallout is too great that they usually won't stick with those habits. The habits just won't stick period. And you know, it, it does take generally about 21 days, they say, to uh, start a habit and about three times that, so 63 days, to make it really concrete. Um, so, yeah. That's Pardon? the thing. It's where you're not thinking, you know, like yeah. there's a, that, that's an important aspect of it, that when you're making, a, when you're creating a habit, ultimately you want it to become like a ritual. 
You want it to be something that you do without thinking about it. That's kind of what a ritual is. You just do it without thinking about it, you know? So um, it's not, it's not a question of whether or not you will do it. It's of course you're going to do it. And what are you going to do after that? You know what I mean? It's, it's mm. like, you know, and so it takes a while for it to become so normal to where you don't even question it. You never yeah. question it. You do it, you know? And yeah. that's that can be the same with like if you want to start an art practice as well. I really recommend getting um either a little small sketchbook or just a little stack of small pieces of paper and um and just trying to fill one every day, you know? And some people like a sketchbook because it keeps it all together and some people don't want to see the things that they've made because they don't you know, they, you know, they're kind of maybe they're don't think some of them came out that well or whatever and for them the pieces of paper work better because they can throw in the trash if they want to you know that's totally fine because the the point is to make the point is to make it's not it's not to make a product that is uh you know that you want to brag about necessarily or or show to other people it's just to have made something that is the aim and so i actually for a while there i had a um a grid on my studio wall and um and this this was interesting actually this is when i um I'll go ahead and tell you about it because it's an interesting thing. I'm not sure what bearing it has on the grief podcast, but I uh, I got to a point where I um I I had a kind of uh, come to Jesus moment, I guess, when I realized that um I had not ever done a master's in fine art, and I didn't know how I could ever do one at that point in my life. But what I really knew was that I regretted not having spent in, in um enough as much time on my art as that would have involved, you know, I felt mm. like I had invested a ton in my family and I had become a, a certified teacher and I invested a lot in teaching other people, but I didn't feel like I invested in my own personal art practice enough. And so since I knew that I, I could not afford an MFA at the time, I could not, I did not have the childcare to where I could do an MFA and there weren't any available to me in my immediate area. Exactly. Um, I decided to design my own. And so um, I figured that for an art MFA, really, you just need to make a lot of artwork and then get people's feedback on it. <laughs> and so yeah. I had a grid on the wall and I had a I said, well, I need to make 20 large pieces, 30 medium sized pieces and 100 small pieces. Wow. Yeah, that's what I've got to do. Fred. If I can do that, then that will count as like two years of really good work, you know. And uh, and so I would just tick them off. And so every day when I ticked off another little small piece or whatever, I felt so good about myself, mm -hmm. you know, and it literally didn't matter whether or not the work came out well or not. I, even if I threw it in the trash at the end of doing it, I felt still felt so much better because I got to tick that box, you know? And so I think that to me is like such a good sort of technique for forming a new habit. If you just have a grid on the wall and you can, tick it off every time you do it whether or not you do it well that doing it well is not the aim <laughs> you know it's just having done it at all and it really is motivating yeah and and i think that uh, goes into something that i speak often about as well on here and that's small goals right it's uh if, if we look at the large goal if 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 i were to look at that painting behind you there and state I want to do this by tomorrow, I would get overwhelmed and I'd be like, oh, forget it. I, I'm not even going to try. But if yeah. I said, okay, today I'm just going to 
stretch the canvas onto these boards, you know, that's my goal. Boom, done. And so I think as long as we're doing small goals and, and when you can lay your head on the pillow tonight and say, I made today count, that's enough, you know? So I, I love the fact, uh, it sounds like you may be a list person. I'm a list person because when, when you're talking about, okay, I need a hundred of these paintings or whatever. And it's like, all right, check. Now I'm down to 99. Yes. <laughs> you know, yes, uh, yes, that's a good it. feeling. Yeah, love, you know, it is a good feeling. It's yeah. great. Yeah. And it makes sense too, you know, and, and it really got me working. It got me cycling through my work much better because the aim was to get it done, not to do it really well. And that freed me up because I was being too self-critical before that. Mm. But then when you get focused on volume, you know, that's something Susie Moore says. She says success is volume. And I believe it. <laughs> you know, so let me ask you that question right there. You you basically stated you were getting frustrated with yourself. What 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 does it look like to have patience with yourself, not only in in grief, but in you know, painting or anything else in life? Like what what allows you to have room to have patience for yourself? That's such a good question. That's um that's a tough one because it's something that you have to revisit again and again almost daily, you know, like that's, that's something, that's something I was actually working on earlier today. <laughs> you know, and I was thinking, okay, so, you know, like, I, I think, um, there's a lot of people in my life that would say I lack patience and, and I have, it's, it's a lot better than I was like in my youth for sure. I, I do have more patience, but like you stated, it is something that I need to daily, hone those skills in because it's, uh, I'm, I know other, I guess I know areas in life where I'm less patient than others. For example, if I have to call an insurance company for a client, I am not patient at all. And, and I even see how I behave with these people on the phone that, um, wow, I, I really need patience. You know, um, my wife says whenever I, talk to, you know, my mother-in-law or my father or somebody about computer issues that I'm very patient with them. But yet when I work with her, I'm like, just do it, you know? <laughs> so I know those areas I really need to work on with patients. Yeah. Well, it's, it's funny, isn't it? Because you have so much, you, just like you were saying, you have so much patience for some things and not other things. And it's a bit like you already have, um, you already have a lot of momentum going on that particular subject, you know, like for instance, with the insurance, you have the momentum going that you are probably going to waste my time. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? Yeah. Like and if you are, if you've had a lot of thoughts that way, then it's really hard to avoid. It's like a, a current, you know what I mean? You, it's like, it's hard to, hard to not get sucked into that particular current because you've already got a lot going that direction. And, and I think, um, I think a lot of people, but, you know, maybe with a kind of, you're showing a more elderly person about computers, maybe you have, um, maybe you, your, your general thought pattern for that tends to be like, oh, well, well, they just don't know. So I'm going to help them. You know what I mean? So your, your general thought pattern is one of natural kind of more generosity. And so you have momentum going that direction with that particular topic. Sure. So then the question is like, how do I change the momentum that I already have going you know, on a topic, like for, for me, I have a, uh, decades of momentum of, um, expecting, uh, 
probably too much for myself. You know what and I mean? And there's the word expectations. Yes. You know, yes. I, I always say there's, there's a huge difference between an expectation and a hope or wish, you know, an expectation usually leaves the person that has that with disappointments, right? Like if I always use the example, if, if I expect my wife to have dinner on the table every night, when I come home from work, I'm going to be disappointed, not her. Now I can hope or wish that she has dinner on the table. And if she doesn't, you know what? It leaves me with options. Like I can cook. I'm a big boy. I know how to make a sandwich. You know, we can cook together. We can go out to eat, you know? So I think with expectations, sometimes we just kind of really, um, I'll, I'll just use a, a pun here. We paint ourselves into the corner, right? <laughs> Yes, it's true. It's true. But then it becomes a question of like, well, how do I, how do I let go of those expectations? What else do I hold on to? You know what I mean? Mm. Instead, And so it's like, for me, I, it helps me a lot to, to think about the idea of just giving myself grace. If I just give, if I go, okay, I'm just going to give myself more grace around this, you know, so, cause it's, it's can be hard to let go of something, but it's much easier to pick something else up. You know what I mean? So, so if I, if I pick up the idea of grace and try to try to imagine what it would look like to surround myself with that mm. on a topic, then, then I, I find I can imagine it much more clearly, you know? Whereas if I, if I try to think of like, well, if I just let go of this expectation, then it'll be fine. But, but, but what, what do I hold on to? I'm freaking out. I don't have anything to hold on to. You know what I mean? But it's like, if you, if you can pick up the idea of grace and, and you know, what would, what would it be like to just give myself some grace on this? And, and I can, I can tell you right now, like the idea of giving myself grace on this is to accept that I do not have the, um, the, uh, you know, production systems within my company yet to be able to deliver these prints quite as fast as I would like. And so the grace, the graceful approach would be to appreciate that now I get to make those systems. Yeah. Now I get to make them. Now I get to design what they're going to be like. And I get to also communicate to people, hey, I have gotten successful really quickly and I don't have these systems in place yet. So I really appreciate your patience. Thanks for bearing with me here. <laughs> you know, you know I don't, I, I don't know that uh, you, you knew this, but you're really leaning into another grief concept called making meaning. And part of that is, is basically seeing that, uh, okay, for example, this, loss may allow me to do different things that I had not envisioned before. And it's, it, but in a positive way, and just like you're stating that, okay, I could look at this as, oh my gosh, I, I'm, I, I need to get these prints out quicker or whatever, but, and, but you're stating, okay, now I, I get the pleasure of putting together this team or whatever of people that, that can help me. That's, that's a blessing, you know? So yeah, exactly. And I get to imagine what I really want and I get to go and talk to people about it and say, Hey, can we make this happen? What does that look like in your end? You know? So I did, I went to my printer today and I said, this is what I would really like. And he said, well, we can do these parts of it really well. Can you find out about this part to make that part happen? I said, yeah, I can do that. You know, mm. that's, that's a real pleasure because that's going to make it much more efficient in the future. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's, it's a great thing to get to have the chance to design what you want, mm. you know? So, you know, it's, it's nice to, you know, pick up that, pick up that opportunity and say, well, you know, what would, 
what would I really like out of this? You know, what would, what, what does, what does grace feel like on this topic? And then ultimately, what do I really desire from this, this part of my life? Yeah. Yeah. Jenny, it's been an absolute pleasure talking. It's, it's flown by and uh, you know, I've I've spoken with you offline that I I need to come down and look, you're, you're not very far away. I'm definitely going to come down. I'm going to, uh, order something, whether it's a print and my wife wants to commission some work with you. And, um, and I encourage, you know, all my listeners to go to your website, go to your Instagram and Facebook and just check out these beautiful, beautiful paintings. And, uh, I, I just really appreciate you being here and taking your time. I, I feel like I'm taking you away from your oceans and clouds there, but I, I really appreciate you coming on and just talking about, you know, um, the art of life, you know, and I think that's in grief. We, we have a way of forgetting that it's, it's life that allows us to, uh, just enjoy these things. And, and sometimes we get so wrapped up in the grief that we forget to keep on living. So yes, it's true. It's true. Yeah. I completely understand the issue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. thanks again for being here today. Oh, it's my pleasure. I've had a wonderful time. Thank you for talking with me. Yeah. And listeners, thanks for joining in. And I hope that each of you take a moment to, uh, you know, just be creative in whatever ways, you know, whether it's through art or, you know, even being creative in journaling or anything like that, that's, uh, that helps you on this grief journey. And I, I really appreciate you listening in and, and just, uh, I feel like today's episode was a lot lighter than normal. And, and I really, really appreciate that and hope to bring more of that to you in the near future. But, uh, thanks for listening and I hope everyone has a great day. We'll catch you next time. 